Good morning, and happy Mother's Day. Hey, we've got a great crowd in here. It's a, it's a beautiful sight. I don't know if you, you don't see what I see, but it, it looks, looks really, really good. You know, there's still some who are meeting in the gym and some who are online. Uh, last Sunday was a special day. Uh, I was able to speak at the Carmack Boulevard Church of Christ. Uh, several of you were able to go to that as well, and it went so well. Um, it was a really, really good day. Thanks to Philip uh, Young Jr. for speaking here, uh, and we look forward to more and more good things together. Speaking of which, um, a week from tomorrow, we want to do a, a, a Bible study with men. Uh, they do this routinely and kind of inviting us to join them. Uh, so Monday the 17th, we'll send an email once we get the details together. Demetrius and I are going to meet tomorrow and kind of hammer out. I think we're going to have it at our building, just a Bible study, 6 o'clock Monday evening, time of fellowship afterwards. Uh, again, they've been doing this uh, off and on online during the uh, pandemic, but back in person now. And so be looking for an email about that. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we made some important announcements. One is that Jerry and Dottie Duggan are going to be moving. We'll say more about that uh, as we close, but just love them and appreciate the good that they have done to uh, serve us here. And we also mentioned about Haley Schmidt, and I feel like I need to, to speak to that. She has taken a job uh, teaching, uh, and oh, how she has blessed us. Uh, for the last number of years, given her heart and soul to help our children's ministry, and we are grateful to her. We're excited about the future, uh, but we're also excited uh, for her and thankful for her. One of the things I love about this church is how we do value young families, uh, these young children. Uh, I love to hear the screams. Uh, it's good. Uh, even when it's not a good scream, it's still a good scream. That means we've got babies. That means our church is growing, and that's a wonderful sound. Uh, for Mother's Day today, we're going to take a look at the story of Hannah. So I want to encourage you to open your Bible to 1 Samuel 1. All the verses are going to be from there. You can kind of follow along. All, if you've got a baby in your lap or a grandbaby in your lap, that's okay. They'll be on the screen. You can follow along that way. But I want us to say this woman of God who had incredible faith, and so let's begin by understanding the setting, 1 Samuel chapter 1. As the book opens there, the chapter opens, Hannah desperately wants a child. Uh, she wants this baby so much that her life is just miserable without it. And for years, she's been praying for this. The text says in verse 7, year by year. So this is not just hit her suddenly. This was ongoing year after year. And obviously her husband was told about this. The text also tells us that she was provoked about not having children. And that just made a very hard situation all the more unbearable. So much so, she just gave in to tears, wept bitterly, and would not eat. Let's pick up the story, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 8. And notice how her husband responds to this. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? That statement there, not eating, earlier in the chapter, the context reveals this was a special feast day where she's not eating. In fact, one commentary I was reading said the best maybe that we could parallel this would be to have a big Thanksgiving dinner that you're hosting at your house, all the extended family is there, and then your wife refuses to come to the table because she's out wailing in grief. 
So it's not just a refusing to eat. Everybody notices, everybody's aware of how painful uh, pain this woman is in. Her husband says, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Well, evidently not. But I think he knew why she was sad, because he wouldn't have asked the second question the way he did. But the truth is, neither God nor her good husband was enough to fill the void that she felt. She was empty. So if there's a word that could describe this first season in Hannah's life, if you're following along the outline with a fill in the blanks, just write down the word empty. That is how she felt. Look at verses 10 and 11. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts. Now, we, we studied this a couple of months ago rather quickly, kind of alluded to the story. This is the first time that name of God appears. Remember what it means? It's Jehovah Sebaoth, Yahweh Sebaoth, the Lord of hosts. If you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Now, the priest, Eli, notices her praying, but just notices her mouth is moving, doesn't hear anything. Again, another commentary explained that when you were at the temple and you were praying, you prayed aloud. That was sort of the custom. So for her to not be praying aloud was not the norm, and and he noticed that. So he assumes that she's had too much to drink, and he calls her on it. Look at verse 15. And they answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went away and ate and her face was no longer sad. Now Hannah was still childless. But the words that Eli spoke gave her hope. She still didn't have a child, but now she had hope. You know, Mother's Day can be a really special day. Uh, And it's great. I know there are several visitors that Eric was talking about who are here today. You're a guest. You're back with mom or your grandparents, and and you're glad to be here. We're glad that you're here. Mother's Day is a very special day, but it can also be a very difficult day. I'm going to talk about that for just a moment. For some, it's very challenging. Maybe because you thought that by now, you'd be a mother, and you're not married. So how are you going to be a mother if you're not married? Or maybe Mother's Day is difficult because you are a married woman, but you've not yet been blessed with a child. For some, Mother's Day is tough because it reminds you of a very painful loss. The loss of a child could be among, if not the hardest death to ever grieve. I know there are some in our church who've experienced that death. We don't mention this much, but I think I should. It's not at all unlikely that there are some today who are hearing this message who've had an abortion. You know it's wrong. 
and it's years ago, and if you had to do it over again, you wouldn't, but you still have to struggle with the guilt. I want you to know God heals, and God forgives, and God can heal you completely. Or maybe today is tough because you can relate to Hannah's barrenness. Maybe you're a married couple and you find yourself in a very similar circumstance. I want to pray and encourage you to continue praying year after year that God would fill you. Maybe he will bless you with a child through pregnancy or maybe through adoption or, or maybe in some other way. Maybe in a way that you've not yet ever dreamed of. But that God would be there for you and help you. As chapter 1 opens, Hannah wanted a baby desperately, but she was not able to conceive. And she went into the temple, asked God to give her a child. And in this case, at this moment, at that prayer, God said yes. You see, motherhood at its core, I want to make sure we get this in the story of Hannah. It's a partnership with God. It involves you as the mother playing the key role of shaping that child's life to forever live for the Lord. And Hannah dedicates her son to God. Now, I don't want to put any pressure on any of you young families with the little one at home, but this child was no uh, ordinary child. Samuel grows up, becomes one of Israel's greatest prophets. He's the one, if you remember, that called out Saul the king when he turned his heart against God. He's the one who anointed David as king. His mom had a partnership with God, and it is something that blessed him all of his life. And I think Mother's Day can also be a challenge if, if your relationship with your own mother is not as it should be or as it should have been. Even in adulthood, you can still feel emptiness because of that. This week I read about Barbara Streisand. She had a very strained relationship with her mother all the way up to her mother's death. Their relationship was a struggle. She told the Daily Mail, she never hugged me. She never said, I love you. She said, I'm more of a toucher than my mother. Now that I'm older, I can do it. For, but for a long time, touching felt alien. I didn't understand it. It felt uncomfortable. But I owe my career to her. It was painful on the way up. I was always trying to prove to her that I was worthy of being somebody. But she'd say, your voice needs strengthening. Others praised my voice, but my mother would say, it's not good enough. It's not strong. Several years ago, Barbara had a, kind of a comeback tour. Madison Square Garden, New York City, the place was packed. Her mother came, sat on the second row. The place was just electrifying. About midway through the concert, she walked down to the second row where her mother was and said to her, Are you proud of me now, Mama? Are you proud of me now? Some of you know what that kind of pain, that even as an adult, you feel like you're never good enough. Well, I want to challenge you to decide today that you'll make the choice to break the cycle. Don't withhold the same gift to your children. Helps no one to live in the past, but you can learn from the past. And there's no wisdom in repeating the mistakes of the previous generation. Well, the second word that defines or describes Hannah's life, or this next stage, is filled. She was filled. Look at verse 19 of 1 Samuel 1. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, 
And she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. She is thrilled. But we need to understand something that's easily missed in this story. We may fall into the trap, and it's easy to do. I just want to be a mother. I just want to have a child of my own. All my life, I I play with Barbies or dolls, and that's what I always dreamed, that one day I'd be married and have a child of my own. If I just have children, if I have a child, I will be filled. That will do it for me. That will give my life purpose. Having a child does change things forever, and it can be one of life's greatest blessings, and it can be very fulfilling. And mom, you play a role like no other. You set the tone in the home. You can point your children to the Lord. You're the one who can show them God's goodness and grace and unconditional love. You're the one that makes that that home, that atmosphere of acceptance and support from day one, all the days of their life. So becoming a mother can be very fulfilling, but it also means a big change and a big challenge. Things are never the same. That sense of fulfillment is there But there's also growing pains because maybe the child is not exactly the way you thought the child would be. I guess what I'm trying to say is I want to make sure we get you can't feel a God-shaped hole in your heart with a child. Can't be done. There is a hole in your heart that only God can feel. And that's one of those that, as a woman, as a a mother, you need to make sure you understand that. That kind of feeling comes from a divine relationship. I came across this quote from Angela Thomas. Some of you ladies might know her name. She's written a couple of books. Sometimes she speaks to women's groups. She went through a a tough struggle, a divorce, some very difficult times. But she came out on the other side. And look at what she wrote. I put it on the screen. Mothering requires everything. But eventually, everything given plus little replenish equals desperately empty. I held the empty cup of my soul out to my husband, and I begged him to fill it. I I, I held out a bigger house and a new van, but only Jesus could fill my soul. I tried my children. I tried my girlfriends. But again, they could not find the place designed by, they could not fill the place designed by God for himself. Remember Hannah's prayer? Give me a son, and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And then verse 15, she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. This may be the hardest part of this story for us to fully comprehend, because now she's going to make good on her promise. She has this child She's promised that she would give him back to the Lord. That had to be difficult for her to give up this child that for years she had prayed for, cried for, not eaten, just given so much of herself, wanting this one child, and to turn him over to Eli's care. Could you do that? Do you ever read through this story and think, there is no way, I, I could, as a mom, that I could do that? And do you remember how the Bible paints the picture of who Eli was? Not exactly someone you want to give your little one to. Kind of a, a crusty old man, overindulgent, not a good father to his own children. In fact, you keep reading the next chapters, it says they didn't even know the Lord. And the things they did, I'm not even going to mention it in front of little children. It's awful. Can you imagine giving your little child over 
to him. But here's this mom who prayed for the child. God granted the request. Hannah made good on her promise. Hannah released her child. Now, we think of releasing our child today as maybe after high school. That's kind of a big mark in life because usually that's when they think about, okay, what's next beyond mom and dad? I'm going to move out of the house. I'm going to get a job. Maybe go to college or join the military. That's when we'll release them. That's what we think about. But I want you to think about, and this is where we can learn from Hannah, that releasing is progressive. And parents, it starts early, even when they're babies. I want to say this. Here in our church, we have an excellent child care staffed by loving volunteers. And I want you to know that they make a very positive spiritual growth atmosphere from the youngest babies in the nursery all the way up. And it's a wonderful thing. I always enjoy watching a young mother and the metamorphosis, the change that happens when, you know, when you first bring the baby back, you, you just don't want anybody to touch them. You know, you can look at them, but don't touch them. And then the last thing you think, I'm not going to leave my baby in the nursery. And so sometimes it's months and months and months before you'll take that firstborn child to the nursery. But the second baby comes along, and it's about half that time. You know, it's like, hey, I, I know it's good. How soon can I get there? If you're blessed with a third child, you're calling from labor and delivery. Say, hey, we're not coming back unless there's room for this third one. It's true, isn't it? It's just kind of the way we are. When C and I were young parents at the Landmark Church in Montgomery, it's kind of reflected on this. We had an awesome nursery, and what made it great were the women that team of women, and I say women, it's Ramona Hobson and Sylvia Joyce. I remember them vividly. There was one man. He took a turn. John Melton, one of our deacons. Nobody in that whole church loved babies more than John Melton. I knew when I dropped off my child, my children at the nursery, they were going to get the best of care. I was a youth minister then. Sometimes that hour in worship was the only time seeing I had a moment of peace together in the whole week. So we grew to love that nursery. Our church never had one of those numbering systems. Were you ever part of a church where you had the little number, like your baby was given a number, and they'd have a little red uh, uh, screen? And so if your baby acted up, that number 666 would appear, and you're like, oh, that's mine. You know, i got to go get my, my child from the nursery. Never really liked those. But you know, you, you parents know this. Now... Those in the nursery or Bible class, if, if there's a problem, they can just text you. Isn't that great? You just get a little silent text. You can look down and go, okay, we're in trouble. <laughs> but I, I, I wondered about that, you know. If, if that were me and I put my child in the nursery and they texted, your child is crying and won't stop, I'd probably grab my phone and, and text back, yeah, I hate it when they do that. <laughs> you know, and they text back and I said, it, it's really a problem and it's upsetting the other kids. And I said, well, that's why I put them in the nursery, you know. It's like, think about that. But moms, what I've noticed, if God blesses you with more than one children, one, more than one child, it becomes easier to release them. Hannah knew she would have to release Samuel, and really much sooner than most. We even struggle with that part of this story. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But sooner or later, we're going to have to release them. I want to make sure that they're ready. I want to make sure that we are ready for that. Because if we don't, it's not good for the child, 
It's not good for you. It's not good for your marriage. You are rearing them to release them. Let me say that again. You are rearing your child to release them. And that starts when they're babies. Maybe it's just finding another couple and say, hey, if you'll watch our child one night so we can go out, we'll, we'll watch yours another night. and We'll take turns. Or maybe you'll save up and, and have enough money to pay for a babysitter. Releasing them to someone else's care. It's good for the child to know that they're going to be okay without mom and dad for a couple of hours. It's healthy for the kids to know that. It's healthy for you to know that. Or you take your kindergartner to school. She's nervous and you're scared. And so you walk them in and she's so excited to be there she barely gives you a wave goodbye. And then you cry all the way back to the car and then all the way home. But you are releasing your child Or your son is finally able to go to church camp. So you pack him up and you take him. But on Tuesday of camp, you get a call from your little boy. The counselor has already told you it's just homesickness. And so he talks about how his stomach is hurting all the time. And you say, you know, son, it's time for you to grow up. And you need to stay. And you're going to thank me at the end of the week. And nothing better comes up. We'll come pick you up on Saturday. And then when your child becomes a teenager and they say, Mom, we want to go on that mission trip with the youth group. You think back to camp when they called you on Tuesday and your first, they're not ready. They're not old enough. It's a long way from home. That's a long, I can't go get them. And then you remember Hannah about giving your child back to the Lord. Say, that is awesome. I'm so proud of you. It's going to be great. And I'm going to pray for you every day. And then when they're 18 and they go off to college, you have an amazing lump in your throat. You're thinking, this is truly a change. But in no time, especially when it's the empty nest, you quickly adjust. Cooking is easier. Your house stays clean. Your laundry is exponentially easier to do. I mean, everything. You can go to bed at 9 o'clock. You don't have to wait till they come home and, and all the wee hours. It's so much fun. And then when they do come back, you know it's because they want to come back. And they want to see you and be with you. It's a whole new relationship because you wisely prepared them to release so Hannah starts off being empty, and then she's filled. Hannah told Eli, 1 Samuel chapter 1.15, I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Well, then she went from pouring out her soul before the Lord to pouring into the life of Samuel. So put that as the next phrase, the next stage. She poured out herself. You know, initially, the Bible says there in that first chapter that Hannah did not take little Samuel to the temple for the time of worship. She stayed behind. And Elkanah said, that's okay. When the time is right, we'll do that. And she said, I'll do that when the time is right, later. And he will dwell there forever, it says. 1 Samuel chapter 123 says, Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. You probably studied this before. We think, well, she took Eli when she'd finished 
breastfeeding. That's what we think of when we think of weaning. And so some commentary scholars read through this and try to understand the culture of that day and, and guess that, that maybe Eli was about three years old at this point. And again, we think, could I leave my child at three years of age? When you read through the text there, it talks about him you know, helping in the temple. And I'm thinking, how much help is a three-year-old? You know, if your three-year-old comes in and says, Mama, I want to help clean, uh, sweep the kitchen, you give them the broom, but you have no hope of the floor being clean, right? Because they're really not much help at that age. So there are some who think that weaning is more than just beyond breastfeeding. It's beyond just that extreme dependence on mom. So whether it's three or four or, or five or six or seven, we don't really know. But the time came. And Hannah did an amazing thing. But if you walk away from nothing from this message, I want you to get this. It was intentional. From even before she became pregnant, she made this vow to God. And so when the baby was finally born, she knew, I've got to keep my word. I've got to keep my promise. So all along the way, she had been pouring into her son. And just the same for us. There's prayer, there's planning, there's purpose. Because you know it's not about you, Mom. It's not about you, Dad. It's all about the child. What is best to help that child at the right point to be able to give their life to the Lord and live for Him all of their days? Make certain you get this. Hannah asked God for a son. God gave Hannah that son. And then out of this deep gratitude, she gives him back to the Lord. And that's what we all are to do. We are to rear our children. And that one day, we're going to give them back to his service. Hannah knew that Samuel was not born for her. Samuel was born for God. She was the mother, yes. But he was there for a bigger need And it's a wise mother who knows that's why she's pouring into him. The whole goal, the ultimate goal, is to rear your child to become independent from you so that you can release them. I think there were a couple of things that really motivated Hannah as a mom. When she understood it was a gift, I think her long years in waiting, when it finally came, oh, how appreciative she was. And she knew it really was a gift from God. In fact, Samuel's name means the Lord has heard my prayer. And she treasured that gift. So when you think about your children, what first comes to mind? Do you see an interruption in your schedule? A delay in your career? Kind of a a crimp in your lifestyle? Are you your children's identity? Or do you see them as a treasure that God has entrusted to your care? Because the second thing she realized is that her time was limited. Don't you know she treasured every day? Soon she would take him to the temple and leave him there. In verse 24 in the text, it says, Hannah brought him to the house of the Lord. This is kind of the the formal moment where she she did this amazing act. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 1.25. First, they made their sacrifice. They slaughtered the bull. They brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord. Then she reminds Eli of who she was and the story. I'm the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child, I prayed. 
And the Lord has granted me my petition, and I made him that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. Moms, you may be asking, okay, great. How do you do that? We're not going to take our child to the temple and, and leave it with the priest, but how do we, if there's a modern-day parallel there, what do we do? How do we make this happen? How do you give your child back to the Lord? Well, I think there's different ways and different stages. Let me share just a couple. We're going to have a special day two weeks from today. We're calling it Baby Blessing Sunday. We've been talking about doing this for years. And we're going to have a special day to, for our young families who have a baby born in uh, 2019 and 20. And as a church, we're just going to celebrate with them the birth of their child and their decision to rear their child in the Lord. And then we'll get to also pledge to support them in that and encourage them. It's going to be a good day. You're going to want to be here for that. But I also would say don't underestimate the learning that happens in our nursery and our preschool. Early on, your baby, your toddler, your child learns to be loved by other godly people and hear God's name and they learn to worship Him in the way they can. They can pat the Bible and just learn so many good elementary things. And they learn that coming to church is a good place. It's a loving place. It's like an extended family. And that child learns that in those early years. And then they move up to, to the faith farm and they learn more of Scripture. And then they go to the tweens class where those fifth and sixth graders get a Bible story on their level. And then they move to our student ministry and learn about him even more. And mom, you need to be in the Word too. You don't just drop your child in the nursery so you can have a coffee break. It's time for you to get in the Word. Sometimes with other young moms, sometimes with other seasoned saints. And I want to challenge you young parents, don't fall into the trap of letting your only friends at church to be other young families. It's easy to do that because they understand you're out in the hall with a baby that won't behave either. But if you only come to things that's for your age or your children's age, and you don't put yourself right there beside somebody who's your mother's age or your grandmother's age, you're the one missing out. Because they're going to be there to love and support you. That's what a church family is for. But it goes beyond a baby blessing Sunday. It goes beyond just you being a Bible class being a mother the way Hannah is in this way, it's a 24-7 proposition. Parenting becomes a calling in your life. So all along, that is your prayer to God. How can I pour into them? How can I fill them? How can I prepare them? How can I release them to be ready? And so it is an ongoing prayer journey. I remember, I was just kind of going through my own memories and thoughts with my own kids. I was telling Celia, I remember the day when our oldest Marcy got her driver's license. And she got in our white Toyota Camry, and Emily and Jake got in the car with her, and they drove out the driveway. And I was in the front room looking out the window, and y'all, my heart was just sick. Because I thought, there, there goes my heart in that car, and a child is driving it. Some of you have been there, you, you know that feeling. That is hard. Our prayer life grew exponentially 
at that point. Because, you know, early on, you're right there with them, or you're down the hall, or, or you could go get them. But that was a new chapter for us. I remember putting Marcy on a plane to Brazil to serve and help a missionary for a summer. And some of you gave her money and encouraged her to go. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> but you blessed her. And we were able to release her. It was hard. I remember when she studied at Harding and, and went a whole semester at Italy. That was hard. Emily and Jake did the same thing. We prayed more then. But now they're all gone. They're married. They got their own house. You know what? And parents, you know, older parents, we pray more now than we did then. We're constantly praying for our children. We're asking for guidance, for wisdom, for discernment to know what to say, when to push, when to help, when not to help. And again and again, you say, Lord, give me strength because I can't do it on my own. One man said this, my mom began praying for my wife-to-be when I was two years old and she never stopped. And I have an attractive, godly wife because of my mom's prayers. Some of you moms can relate to that because you've been praying as well. His mother-in-law would say, I wish I would have prayed as hard as your mom did. <laughs> Hannah's prayer was simple, but it was specific, and it was sincere. It wasn't just, Lord, if you give this to me, then I'm going to give him back but not really mean it. She really meant it. And it's really a good template for us to follow. If you think about it, it really just kind of sums up what a mom does. Moms, you, you have, and I think God works through you to do this. Sometimes you, you just have the word. Sometimes you just know what to say. You just know what to do. Sometimes it's a look. As they pour their heart out or they walk in the door, moms, you have that ability. I think God works through you to do that. And when you are seeking to be a woman of God, it just opens the door for that to happen. I want to show you a commercial. Maybe you've seen it before on television. It was put out a couple of years ago, right about the time of the London Olympics. It's all about sports. It's all about Olympics. But as you watch it as a parent, I want you to think about to what extent? What will you do? What will you give up so that your child will grow spiritually? How are you willing to push them and serve them and do for them so that you can release them to live for the Lord? Hardest job in the world is the best job in the world. We are blessed as a church to have some amazing moms. And we want to take just a moment and Thank you and honor you and, and pray for you. So if you're a mom or a grandmother today, would you mind just standing where you are for just a moment? Just remain standing. Stand where you are if you're able. Let me pray for our moms. God, you are a good and a perfect father, and you created us to be in a family. And today we are especially thankful for all the mothers. We're so thankful for what they do for your kingdom, for what they do for this church family, what they do every day for those who are new moms with one child or maybe a grandmother or great-grandmother to many. Father, I pray for the women who would love to be a mom, but they're not. I pray for you to fill them. I pray for the women whose husbands have some Elkanah moments and they don't get it. I pray for the single moms. Their challenge is more than twice as hard 
I pray for the moms in a marriage that is struggling and they feel alone. I pray for the moms who work outside the home trying to balance all of life's demands. I pray for the moms who stay at home and they're trying to make ends meet and have joy. Just as you did with Hannah, will you bless all the moms, help them to give their children to you. And just like Hannah, their time is limited. Help them to make the most of every opportunity. Lord, there are some who've lost a mom, especially maybe in this past year. And Mother's Day is, is tough. God, we learn so much about you through our mothers. Thank you for that. We know they need more than just good sleep or a, a real meal eaten in one sitting or a full bank account. They need what only you can provide. God, as a church family, we pray for you to fill them with your Holy Spirit so they can do day in and day out, year after year, what you have called them to do. Help them to know how much you love them and how much we love them. God, we thank you for our moms. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we talked a lot about partnering with God, and we see Hannah doing that. The Bible talks about when a lost sinner comes to God, the angels rejoice. I believe that's true. I don't think we can fully comprehend that. But I think even more than the angels rejoicing, I would say a mom rejoices. And a dad rejoices. Because they've been bringing you up to that moment that day where you would come to your own faith and say yes to following Jesus. So whether you're a young person still living at home or maybe a grown adult and you've not yet named the name of Jesus, you've not yet had experienced His salvation, we want to give you a chance to confess Jesus is the Son of God. Have your sins washed away in baptism? Let Him give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or if we can pray for you in any way, whatever you're going through, we want to be a church family who does that. Won't you come as we stand and sing this song?